0: This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. West Virginia recently received some bad health grades from the American Lung Association.
1: We're one of the most tobacco-addicted states in the country, and uh, we need to do better. It's a tremendous health burden.
0: That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. A bill allowing the foster care ombudsman more authority to protect children in state care passed the Senate unanimously. Emily Rice has more.
2: House Bill 3061 will permit the foster care ombudsman to investigate reported allegations of abuse and neglect for critical incidents and to investigate children placed in the juvenile justice system. Senator Charles Trump, a Republican from Morgan County, spoke to the importance of the bill.
3: We report it to the DHHR. We've spent money, this state government, this legislature, has funded DHHR, has set up a hotline where people can report allegations of child abuse or neglect, and it's sad that it happens.
2: House Bill 3061 was approved unanimously by the Senate. It now goes to the governor's desk for his signature. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston.
0: Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. A Senate committee proposed restrictions for electric utilities who want to shut down or demolish existing power plants. Curtis Tate has more.
3: Any utility that wants to close or tear down a power plant must first seek permission from the state public energy authority. That's what Senate Bill 609 would do. On Tuesday, the Senate Energy, Industry, and Mining Committee approved it. SB 609 would also require an approved third party to study the social, economic, and environmental impact of a plant closure. The only active West Virginia power plant scheduled to be deactivated is the Pleasance Power Station in Pleasance County. On Monday, the Senate unanimously approved a resolution encouraging Monpower to buy the Pleasance plant from Energy Harbor. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston.
0: In last week's installment of the radio series Getting into their reality, caring for aging parents, news director Eric Douglas spoke with a funeral director on planning ahead. This week he speaks with Charleston attorney Frankie Parsons about wills and estate planning and the problems that arise if you don't have them when you die.
3: A lot of par- a lot of people my age Are finding themselves in a position to be caring for their parents and some of those conversations are kind of difficult from wills to estate planning so uh, where do you want to start tell me tell me what the biggest issue is
4: to your point about uh, on the topic of aging parents I have this conversation not just once a day multiple times a day I am I'm 45 years old most of my friends about the same age group, and we are in the sandwich generation. I do not have children, but a lot of people are caring for children and also parents who sure. are declining while having careers. So it is it is a lot to juggle, um, and it's this is a very timely topic that I feel will hit
3: home with a lot of people. Prior to parents declining physically, mentally, I assume you would say get a – get all these papers in order, have have those difficult conversations. So how do you get started? What, what what does somebody need to know?
4: We all, all of us, regardless of age, need both two things. This is how I explain it to most clients. You need a life plan, your life planning documents, and your estate planning documents. Life planning documents are powers of attorney okay, and revocable living trusts because if you are – incapacitated in any way. If if you or I left here today and got into a car wreck and we're in a coma, financial powers of attorney are very important because you need to have someone who can manage your financial affairs, access your accounts, manage your business affairs generally if you're not able to.
3: When we go to the hospital, we're, we're checking in for surgery, they'll give us a form that's a medical power of attorney, Correct. but that's not what you're talking
4: right. about. Right. Equally important, though, okay. medical powers of attorney, also part of that life planning document uh, uh, set that I talk about. Uh, yes, medical powers of attorney say, if I cannot speak for myself, here is who may make decisions about my medical care. Also, in the, a, a lot of those documents, the ones we use at our law firm, contain a living power of attorney, or living will, I should say, is part of the medical power of attorney. And also directions for uh, the disposition of your remains. You'd be surprised how many conflicts arise Mm. about what we do with the remains of an individual once they've passed on.
3: Wow. Which is really not the time you want to be having that conversation.
4: No. Uh, In older documents, you'll often see that type of language put into a will. Well, the problem is when we need to make the decision about what we're going to do with a body – we might not know where the will is. We have not had an executor appointed. We don't have
3: access to that document quite often. If you haven't preplanned, if you haven't prepaid for a funeral, there needs to be some written document, whether it's in the will. But you're saying not actually you put it in the will, but it's not where you want it. You need a, a separate document in the, in the life plan.
4: I would say it should not go in a will. I mean, it certainly wouldn't invalidate a will if it was in there, but that's not the place you want to have it. You definitely want it in a document that whoever is making decisions for you while you're still alive and incapacitated would have access to it so they know what to do. Even if you have prepaid for a funeral, whoever is dealing with your body might not know that. Mm. I mean, in your situation, you clearly know what your mother's plans are. If you have someone uh, – in my situation, I don't have a spouse or children who would be around and maybe know that. Right. Um, so you would want to make sure you had that outlined in a document that whoever is around making those decisions would mm. know you prepaid for a funeral.
3: Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you're talking you've, – you've died in whatever the circumstance, and the hospital is saying, okay, where do you want us to send the body? Correct. And – I don't know. Um, yeah, that's...
4: And I have clients that... Uh, it, it seems to go one of two ways. I have clients that just put a general provision in that document that says my agent, who's who you name to be your medical power of attorney, can decide what to do with my remains. I have other clients that want me to very specifically outline they are to be cremated and where the ashes are to be spread mm. and what type of service can be held and who may have ashes. It's... It's a personal preference, but there is a legalized and outlined way to do that now.
0: That was attorney Frankie Parsons speaking with Eric Douglas for the radio series, Getting Into Their Reality, Caring for Aging Parents. You can hear the rest of the series on our website at wvpublic.org. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 751. Scattered rain this morning in the northeast, becoming mostly sunny today and breezy with highs in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Tonight, a chance of rain in the south with mostly cloudy skies, lows in the 40s and 50s, rain and gusty wind tomorrow with highs in the 50s and 60s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Torres Sava Law, representing firefighters, police officers and West Virginia families. Information at torressavalaw.com. West Virginia often gets poor health grades, especially when it comes to smoking cessation. For the legislature today, health reporter Emily Rice sat down with Delegate Matthew Rohrbach, a Republican from Cabell County who is also a doctor.
2: I wanted to talk about some of the legislation that you all are putting through this session about tobacco cessation in the state. Um, a big part of that was in reaction to the American Lung Association's report. Uh, did you get a chance to I did. see that? Okay. Yeah. So obviously failing grades. We're not very excited about that. We got um, F's, we got one D. Um, yeah, that's
1: pretty sad that the best we got was one D.
2: Exactly. So. We wanted to talk about that and what uh, the legislation that you all are working on is doing to improve those grades.
1: Well, obviously, as you said, we're one of the most tobacco-addicted states in the country, and uh, we need to do better. It's a tremendous health burden. Uh, study after study, going back decades, have shown that tobacco use increases health care costs, mm-hmm. and it, it shows up in the cost of our insurance in the state of West Virginia. And it really does impact uh, employers in lost days of employment, uh, sick time. So this is a problem, and it's been a problem for a long time. But it's, it's time that we get serious about doing something. And, and this all just to get West Virginia healthy because one of the things that I think you could hopefully see one of the themes of this past few years in this legislature has been economic development. but To some degree, we're hampered by that if we don't have a healthy workforce. And it's difficult for us to lead the nation in tobacco use, diabetes, obesity, uh, cancer, those types of things, and expect that, that, you know, employers look at these things. So this is just another part of economic development is that we have to have a well-trained, healthy, workforce. And I'm firmly convinced that if we do that, employers are going to come to the state of West Virginia. Yeah.
2: That's a really interesting way to look at it as well from a from a workforce perspective there. Um, you had mentioned to me before we were on camera that um, you know while you're not a doctor that deals directly with the lungs, um, you are a gastroenterologist, correct?
1: You're correct. I, that's my day job.
2: Yeah, exactly. So uh, the legislation that you're working on has to do with uh, age. So obviously the age for smoking in West Virginia is already 21. Uh, or Are you trying to input that? Or are you trying to put bigger restrictions? Well, no,
1: I don't think we're trying to go past. One, one of the problems is that there's a little bit of inconsistency now. Under federal law, uh, we, you know, federal law has Tobacco 21 or otherwise known as T21. And unfortunately, though, our state laws don't sync up with that. So technically, we're still T18, but you can't really go out here and buy, or you shouldn't be able to buy tobacco because the retailers have to follow the federal law, Mm -hmm. and those are the things that we go out and do audits on from time to time. So what we're trying to do is to sync the state and the federal law up. Now, there'll be those that will say, "Well, well, we need to go to 18, and the problem is that's just not where the federal government's at, and we've got a lot of funding tied to that. Okay. Uh, Plus there's numerous studies that show that the longer you can delay people from getting hooked on tobacco, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: the less likely they will to ever be hooked on tobacco.
2: And so what your bill is doing is cementing the fact that we're in adherence with federal law. That
1: would be correct.
2: Okay, absolutely. Um, And Senator Takubo couldn't be here with us today, but He's working on a piece of legislation to further um, tax tobacco products and kind of a deterrent way of people, getting people to stop smoking. But it's one of the ways that the American Lung Association actually suggested was to raise taxes on those kind of products. Um, is that something that you all have looked at at all over in the House?
1: Well, the House is. been... Is- Briefly discussed, but I it, frankly, with a two billion dollar budget surplus, I, I, I don't believe this legislature is going to pass any tax increases on on anything, tax on any good or service uh, at this point in time. It's it's a little difficult to to get that in a, in such an environment with the surpluses that we currently have. So, I, I don't think at this current time there's any appetite for that in the. Uh,
0: That was Delegate Matthew Rohrbach speaking with Emily Rice for the legislature today. To hear the rest of the interview, visit our website and tune in every evening at 6 p.m. on both radio and television to hear the live show. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick. Randy Yoey and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.